this morning, uh, but it's uh, packed full of a lot of truth. And in fact, as I read this verse, you're going to read. We're going to read the points of my message. Amen. And First uh, Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Uh, here's what the Bible says. Uh, very simple uh, uh, verse here. Thirteen words. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men, be strong. Let's read it together. All right, here we go. You ready? Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men, be strong. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to be in church this morning. Lord, the uh, singing of your praises. Lord, uh, the gathering of your people, God, the fellowship. And now, Lord, as we turn our attention to the preaching of your word, God, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts through it, God. I pray, God, that you would uh, uh, meet with us today. And, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would do what only He can do. And, Lord, that's work on the heart and change your heart. Lord, if someone's not here today, if someone is here today that's not saved, I ask God to accept you before it's eternally too late. We love you, we thank you, we praise you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Amen. All right. Well, of course, today is Father's Day. Amen. Father's Day. And I don't think there's a dad in here, uh, including myself, uh, that doesn't want to be the best father that they can be. Amen? I think if I were to go around the room and ask you that question directly, uh, do you want to be a good father? I think those of us that are fathers would emphatically say yes. By the way, children are a blessing and gift from the Lord. Amen? Uh, the Bible says that uh, uh, they are uh, from the Lord. They're, the fruit of the womb is His reward. Amen? And uh, God's the one that blesses families with children, and the children are a blessing. But you know, along with that blessing comes a duty and a responsibility. A duty and a responsibility as parents uh, to teach our children and to train our children in the ways of the Lord. Amen? And uh, not only that, but as fathers, uh, to be the right kind of examples that our young people can look to uh, so that uh, we can show them what it is to love God and serve God. No father in here has always got it right, amen? Uh, we've all made mistakes, uh, but I can just say this, with the help of God and with His strength, we can be the father God wants for us to be. And uh, so uh, along the lines of being a father, uh, I want to preach a message to us this morning. And, uh, you know, it's hard to be a, the right kind of father if first you're not the right kind of man God wants you to be. And so what I'm going to do this morning, instead of necessarily preaching just along the subject of being a father, although this uh, tends to that, uh, I want to preach on this subject this morning, the makings of a biblical man. The makings of a biblical man. Because I'm going to tell you right now, men, we'll never be the fathers we're supposed to be if we're not first the men God wants for us to be. Because before you were ever a father, you were a man. Amen. And listen, God set some standards that He wants for us to live by when it comes to being the men God wants for us to be. Now, it shouldn't surprise us that in our day and age, biblical masculinity is under attack. Amen? By the way, it's always been under attack. Okay, Satan knows that if he can, um, if he can get in and mess up God's plan, then he can interrupt things. And that's what he's all about doing. Amen? Uh, he wants to try to interrupt. He wants to try to hinder. He wants to try to corrupt what God has set up by the way, he's pretty good at it. And you know, Satan has been good and uh, by trying to destroy biblical masculinity on several different, in several different ways. Here's what he's tried to do, alright? Uh, Satan has tried to feminize, he's tried to femi feminize it. 
And let me just uh, stop here and say things for, for a few minutes, all right? Now, listen, I've been at camp all week. I've been listening to a lot of good preaching. It's time for me to do some preaching. Amen. Amen. All right? Now, listen, I don't care what this stinking world has to say. I don't care what it's trying to teach. Listen now. It's not normal, uh, or it's not what God intended for boys and men to act, talk, dress, or be feminine in any way. That is not God's plan. What a sad day in America when it's uh, not anything seemingly out of the ordinary now to see, and I don't even want to use the word men, I'll use the word males, okay, wearing women's clothes, wearing women's makeup, jewelry, and God help us, even trying to use women's restrooms. What in God's name is wrong with people? Listen, folks, this is what's happening in our society is not something we as Christians ought to be getting used to. Amen? It ought to be something that we feel the same way God feels about it. And let me tell you how God feels about it. It's an abomination to him. It's an abomination. So Satan is trying to feminize masculinity. Not only that, he's trying to reverse the roles. Reverse the roles. Now listen now, when God made men and women, God made them different. I hear a loud amen there. I'm so glad my wife is not like me. Amen? Praise God for that. All right? And not only did he make them different, he made them to fulfill different purposes. Okay? The Bible says this in Genesis chapter 1. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. By the way, did you hear what God said? Male and female. Okay? All right? So that means this. According to God, according to biology, according to common sense, there's just two genders. You can think anything you want. Right? Amen. Genesis chapter 5, verse 2. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. So let me tell you what God uh, has, okay? God intended for men to do manly things and for women uh, to do womanly things, amen? And the devil is trying to play a role reversal and for the most part has brainwashed a culture into what they call the new norm. Well, they may say it's the new norm, but God doesn't say it's the new norm. Listen, folks, I'm not being harsh. I'm not being mean. I'm speaking truth. By the way, if this terminology is even in your mind, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. If you are triggered by truth, then you are drinking the Kool-Aid of the culture. By the way, I like the word trigger too. Amen? I like the word trigger when it comes to my AR-15, when it comes to my, uh, you know, SIG P365. I love that word trigger, okay? But let me just say this. Okay, when you feel like you're being triggered by hearing truth, then you know what? You've been brainwashed, amen? Because let me tell you something, folks. Regardless of what the culture says, truth is not relative. Truth is something that is absolute. It's absolute. And just because you may perceive something different or want to be different doesn't mean it's reality, amen? Doesn't mean it's reality. So moms, let me help you with something this morning, okay? It is normal and it is right for your little boy to want to play with toy guns, swords, and pretty much anything that can be made into a weapon, amen, (laughs) and act like they're going to war. That is normal. That is right. That's the way it ought to be, amen. By the way, don't get nervous and upset when your uh, boy comes home covered in dirt with creeping crawlers in their pockets, amen. (laughs) It's the way it's supposed to be, all right. 
Listen now, it's not okay for your son to want to play dress up and have a tea party with the sister's dolls. Not okay. Not normal. By the way, if your son would try that, that's where you come along and say, wait a minute, son, you're a boy. We don't play with girl stuff. Oh, he's just expressing himself. Well, allow him to express himself the way boys express themselves. Amen. This is nonsense what's going on. And I'm going to tell you, folks, it's a parent problem is what it is. Now, i got a confession to make this morning, okay? When I was 15, my parents surprised us with a little sister. Amen? And uh, when my sister was two, that meant when I was 17 years old, okay, here's the confession, I played with her dolls. Okay? But here's how I played with them, all right? I strung them up from the ceiling fan and laughed at her as she bawled her eyes out as they were spinning around the room. That's how I played with my sister's dolls, okay? There was never a time growing up that I even think about wanting to sit down and have a tea party with Barbie. Amen? Let me tell you something, folks. What's going on, truth be told, is a parent problem, is what it is. So here's what Satan tries to do, okay? He tries to feminize men. He tries to reverse the roles. And then Satan has tried to redefine what biblical masculinity is. Here's what Satan tries to redefine masculinity into, okay? Having big muscles, a cocky attitude, a big wad of chew in your lip, and that's what makes you a man. Okay, listen, folks. Again, we bought into the lie that unless you treat women like dirt and drink motor oil, you're somehow not manly. Listen, folks, that is not what being a man is either. Amen? And so I want to preach to you this morning and show you and challenge you to be the man God wants for you to be. Amen? Now, ladies, listen. You're here. I want you to listen. And in fact, guys, you might have some sore ribs this morning. Amen? I don't know, okay, if that's what's going to happen or not. Okay? But man, I'm preaching to you today. Amen? And from time to time, the preacher just needs to come to the pulpit and uh, uh, kind of single out certain groups and talk about certain things. So men, I'm preaching to us today. All right? And listen, we need to be the man God wants for us to be, not the example set by the world, not the definition reinvented by the devil, but what the Bible has to say a biblical man is. Amen? So men, listen, let's take it this morning. All right? Let's take it. God has some things to say to us. Let's listen to what he has to say. Let me tell you what God expects for us to be as men, the makings of a biblical man. If you go back to our text and you look at the verse here, literally, 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 the verse is the outline. Okay? I didn't get real fancy. Sometimes I try to alliterate. No alliteration, nothing. Straight up, what's the Bible say? All right? Although that's what most of the messages are anyway, right? All of them are. Number one, here it is. All right? What, what makes a biblical man? Here's the first thing you see, and that is this, watchfulness. Watchfulness. Notice what he says. Watch ye. Watch ye. Now that word watch, it means this. It means to keep awake. It means to be vigilant. Be vigilant. A lot of scripture on this. Let me just read a couple verses to you here, okay? Uh, by the way, when we first, uh, some, of the, some of the most popular verses about that word vigilant is when it comes to what a pastor is supposed to be. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, a bishop, we're talking about a pastor, must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. By the way, folks, let me just say this, all right? A preacher that's worth his salt better be watchful, amen? Yeah. Better be watchful. The Bible calls a, a pastor an under-shepherd. 
Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd, but the pastor of the local assembly is Jesus' under-shepherd. Let me tell you what a shepherd would do when he was out there watching his flock. At least a good shepherd was. He was watching out for the sheep. Amen? He was paying attention. He was knowing what was going on. And sometimes when I come to this pulpit and I preach certain things, and you may be thinking, preacher, why are you saying that? Uh, that's harsh. That's mean. No, I'm just watching out for the sheep. Amen? And sometimes what the shepherd's got to do, he's got to expose some wolves. Amen? Amen. He's got to blow the whistle on the wolves, and he's got to stand and defend the sheep. And listen, without apology, I want to be the type of under-shepherd that's watchful. But listen, it's supposed to be. Men, here's what the Bible says. And also, if this is for the ladies as well, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, continue in prayer with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, talking about our spiritual state here, but let us watch and be sober. By the way, that word sober in the Bible doesn't uh, mean alcohol-free. It's talking about being alert, paying attention, knowing what's going on. It means get your stinking spiritual head out of the sand is what he's saying. Amen? And on and on I can give you verse after verse after verse about as Christians, as men, we need to be watchful. Now, I believe this is true when it comes to this physical world we're living in. Now, I remind you this often, and I need to remind you of this, but the Bible promised us that in the last days, perilous times would come. And that word perilous means dangerous. And folks, listen, they're not going to come, they're here. Yeah. We're living in dangerous times. Yeah. I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying that to warn you and to motivate you to be the man God wants you to be. Listen, you've got to be watchful even when you're when you're just living life, doing the things you do. All right? For example, all right, you gotta be watchful when you go to places like Walmart. Okay, listen, folks, do you understand there are predators that are trying to prey on our wives and our daughters and our young people? Listen, we gotta be watchful about those things, right? You gotta pay attention. Listen, you can't just bebop through life and not pay attention to what's going on around you. You gotta pay listen, here's what it is. Okay, all right. Some of you in the military, head on a swivel. You're watching what's going on. Okay, for example, eating at a restaurant. I think I've taught you this before. I know Brother Graham, who teaches our church security, has taught this before. But when I go to a restaurant, I always sit in a certain place. You know what place that is? Watching the door. Okay, you know why? Because I want to be watchful, paying attention to who's coming through that door in case danger might be coming through that door, and I have an opportunity to protect those around me. Amen. Listen, watchfulness is a mindset. By the way, I'm talking about even driving a vehicle. Okay, I've taught this to my sons and to my daughters. Listen, when you come to an intersection, just because the light's green doesn't mean you automatically go. Listen, you got to look. you got to pay attention. I was telling tell this to Jeremiah. We were sitting up here the other day, most dangerous intersection in the whole county, up here at Highway 41 and County Road 100. Right where that stoplight's at. And we were, we'd just been talking about this. Before I pulled the intersection, I looked and paid attention, and here comes a semi. And you know what? He stopped in the middle of the intersection. I said, right, right there, Jeremiah, right there. That's why you pay attention to things I'm telling you. Amen? Listen, folks, I'm talking about the physical, physical things on life, obviously. But listen to me now. Even more important is being watchful when it comes to the spiritual things in our lives. Listen, folks, we've got to be watchful in a spiritual sense. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 through 11 says this, To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sake forgave I it in the person of Christ. 
The Apostle Paul is talking to the church of Corinth about their responsibility to forgive their brothers and sisters in Christ. And by the way, I love the context of how things go together. Because here's what the next verse says. Based upon this idea of not forgiving people, here's what he says. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. That means this. You know how Satan works, and because you know how he works, you're not easily tricked by him. Right? Now the context of that is forgiveness, but that doesn't just apply to forgiveness. Listen to me. Satan is working any way he can. He doesn't just attack on one front. He attacks on multiple fronts. And as a Christian, especially as a man who's the head of our homes, we've got to pay attention to that, and we spiritually got to know what's going on around us. So you know what God expects you men to be? Watchful. Watchful. Number two, what's the second thing he says in that verse? Here's what it says. Stand fast in the faith. Stand fast in the faith. That word stand fast, here's what it means. It means to be stationary. It means to persevere. You know, too many Christians, too many men are what I like calling wishy-washy. Okay? That's a good old southern Indiana word. Amen? Wishy-washy. I'm sure that's in the Greek under there somewhere, right? Let me tell you, that's not what God wants from us as men. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to this. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Okay, by the way, you know what he calls people that way? You are children in the faith. That's what he says. You have zero spiritual maturity if you are always carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. There are people out there. Satan has his ministers, and they're trying to deceive Christians, and too many Christians are too gullible, and they're not strong in the faith, and they're blown around by every wind of doctrine. What a stinking shame. By the way, listen to me, all right? Okay, there's an old song that used to go like this. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Let me tell you something, folks. That's really not the way it ought to go. God said it, that settles it, whether I believe it or not. Amen? Let me tell you what we as men need to do. We need to figure out, we need to get some, not based upon what we like, not based upon what our family likes, what God says for us, amen? Get some old-fashioned Bible standards, Bible convictions, and by the way, live or die by them, amen? Live or die by them. You ain't changing my mind on it, amen? You ought to have some standards and convictions about that way. And you know what? That's why a lot of Christians get out of church. Because instead of being faithful to the house of God that, that, that God's put them in, they start getting their doctrine off the stinking internet preachers. And those internet preachers, not all of them, but a lot of them, they're sneaky, they're oily, and they start throwing in some false doctrine here and there. And before long, Christian men are buying a hook, line, and sinker and dragging their family right out the door of the church house. And they're blown around by every wind of doctrine. Listen to me. You need to get established. You need to get settled in the precept and the principle of the Word of God. Amen. And you need to know the Word of God. You need to know it for yourself. Let me tell you why you need to know it. Because if you know it, you won't be led about by every wind of doctrine. So that means this. All right. Let me give you a hypothetical here. Let's say I get up in the pulpit one Sunday morning. And I said, you know, I was reading my Bible this week. You know what I just discovered? I just discovered that in order to be saved, you've got to get baptized and join White River Baptist Church. Now, if I would say that, now it sounds so foreign, right? But if I would say something like that, ding, 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 your heresy bells ought to be going off. Because you know the Bible for yourself. And you know that's not what the Word of God teaches. Amen? Amen? And listen, 
you don't believe it just because I say it. You believe it because the Word of God says it. Now, if I'm preaching the Word of God, you can get behind me and rally behind it, but not because it's me, because it's God's Word. Amen? Now listen to me, folks. It's time as Christians, we get established, we get settled, and men, we stand fast. Stand fast. Let me tell you what's a shame. I've seen it happen over and over, and it makes me want to stink and puke. I've seen Christians that God saved, and when they saved them, their kids were young. And they got their kids in church. And they started teaching them right and training them right. But somewhere along the line, you know what? The kids started getting a rebellious spirit. And because the kids got a rebellious spirit and the parents didn't deal with it, come on now, they let the kids start making the determination of what they started believing all of a sudden. And I've seen it happen over and over again. I've seen people who've been in church for, for decades walk out the door because they followed a rebellious teenager out the door of the church house. Come on, sir. Are you going to follow your rebellious teenager out the door of the church because all of a sudden they get an attitude about the things of God? Or are you going to stand strong? You're going to stand fast. Amen. By the way, there was a, another true, true story, true illustration. There was a, a family in a church, and the wife started getting sideways with God and didn't want to start going to church. And the young man who was brought up in church, I'm talking about a godly heritage, knew right, was taught right, was in church nine months before he was even born. You know what, here's what he says. He says, well, you know, I've got to keep my family together, so if my wife doesn't want to go to church, I'm just going to, I'm not going to go. And here's what the pastor said to him. He says, you follow her out the door of the church, she'll leave you, and you won't even be married to her anymore. Oh, that'll never happen. That'll never happen. Well, lo and behold, guess what? The preacher was right. But then a year later, that, that, that lady that was married to this young man divorced him and left him, and guess what? He lost it all anyway. Listen to me. I say it, and I say it kindest, but listen to me, okay? My wife is not number one in my life. You know why? Because that place is only reserved for one person and one person only, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, she's number two, I can tell you that. Now, humanly speaking, human relationships, number one. But when it comes to my relationship, Jesus Christ has first and foremost. And listen now, if it comes between choosing between following God or following my wife... It ought to be a no-brainer decision. I know that's foreign. I know a lot of people can't handle that, but that's the Word of God. Amen? I'm going to tell you, as men, we need to stand fast. Now, by the way, the Bible tells us what to stand fast in. We're to stand fast in the faith. In the faith. Now, listen to me, folks. the, the, The word, the faith, it's used that way for a reason. Notice the word, the, in front of that. You know what the word, the, is called? A definite article. It doesn't, stand, it doesn't say to stand strong in a faith, as in there's multiple. Oh, it's the faith of the week uh, club. Let's just join which one fits me. No, listen, folks, there's only one faith, right. right? Brother Jude said it this way, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. By the way, we don't have the time to get into it, but the Bible clearly defines what the faith is. Amen? And the faith is uh, uh, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. The faith is then, once you are saved, to build upon the foundation uh, of your faith and add to your faith what the Bible says to add to it. The faith is what the King James Holy Bible tells us it is. Amen? Amen? That's the faith. You know what? That's what we need to be standing in. And that's what God says makes a real man is a man who will stand for 
the faith. So number one, the makings of a Christian man, watchfulness. Number two, stand fast in the faith. Number three, I like this, quit you like men. You say, what in the world does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. Act like a man. That's what it means. It's exactly what it means. It means to act like a man. Amen? Listen, as we said earlier, acting like a man is not just acting all macho and putting other people down and, and all this stuff. Listen, I, don't, I could care less what the world's definition of a man is. What's God's definition of a man? Amen? Now listen, God defines it. And by the way, God defines for us what it means to act like a man. He tells us exactly. I'm going to show you this. Take your Bible. Very famous passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When we think of 1 Corinthians 13, we think of the love chapter, or the charity chapter. Amen? Well, also in this chapter, God defines what it is to quit you like a man. Okay? How to act like a man. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's look at first starting in verse 10. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 10. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. By the way, just a little side note here. When he's talking about when that which is perfect is come, you know what he's talking about? He's talking about the completed word of God. That's what he's talking about. Okay? And, and listen, when that which is in perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Listen, it's no longer the word of just a prophet here or a prophet there. Oh, no. we got something more sure, the Bible says, a more sure word of prophecy. We've got the completed word of God. Okay? Now, notice here, verse 11. When I was a child, Apostle Paul talking here, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. By the way, guess what? I expect kids to act like kids. Right? Listen, folks, I, don't, I, didn't, I, I didn't expect when my boys were five for them to act like they were 15. By the way, let kids be kids. Right? we got to teach them. we got to train them. I get all that. But kids are going to be kids. And they ought to be. Amen? Listen, life is short. You only get one childhood. Let children be children. I'm not saying don't teach them responsibility. I'm not saying let them act foolish. Right. I'm just saying kids are going to be kids. Right? By the way, that's what kids do. They're childish because they're children. But guess what? That's not where it stops. Look at the second part of verse 11. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I uh, know even as also I am known. Now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. So God defines, here it is, how do you act like a man? Here's what he defines it as, spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. Okay? By the way, you don't just flip a switch and you turn, uh, get 18 and in God's eyes you're a man. No. You know what? I've known young men who acted more of like a man than some grown men did. Because they were more spiritually mature in their teenage years than some men that were 40, 50 years old. I've known that. I've seen that. Okay? And no. Well, what is it here? Okay? The Bible's very clear on it. Here's the categories. Uh, here's the spiritual litmus test to test your biblical manhood, men. Okay? I ain't throwing it out there. God's throwing it out there. Okay? When it comes to our speaking, our understanding, and our thinking, don't miss this, are we childish or are we spiritually mature? That's the standard right there. Laid out clearly in the Word of God. Okay? Listen. Are you, when it comes to your speaking, your understanding, and your thinking, are you childish or spiritually mature. Listen, it's time for Christian men to become men in these areas. It's time for us to be spiritually mature in our speaking. Okay? In the things that we say. 
All right? I mean, listen, there comes a point in time where, you know, the Bible even talks about it, you know, uh, uh, jesting. Now, listen, I'm about joking and having a good time. We do some of that around here. But if you are a grown man and that's all you are is a supposed a walking joke book, something's wrong about that. Now, there's nothing wrong with humor. I'm all about using some humor, okay? And I get it. Some people tend to be more funny than others. But listen, not everything's a joke. There's a time to be serious about things. And there's a time for us to be spiritually mature in the things we say. How about this? In, in our spiritual mature and our understanding. Well, I just don't understand that. Listen, Buddha, folks. I don't always understand everything about God. But here's what I do understand about God. When I don't understand Him, I trust Him. Amen? And listen, quick, take God off trial. Just because God allows something in your life that you don't like, it's uncomfortable for you, doesn't mean He's still not God, doesn't mean He's still not good, doesn't mean He's still not right. Amen? Listen, whether I agree with God or not, doesn't change the fact that He's God. And He has the right to do what He wants because He's God. Amen? Listen, that's spiritual understanding. How about this? A spiritually mature thinking. Thinking. And again, this is a whole subject, and I'm not even going to dive into it. I'm just telling you, men, listen, that's what God wants us to do, is to act like a man, particularly in these three areas. Amen? By the way, you know what I find out about strong men? Strong Christian men can take rebuke. Strong Christian men can take rebuke. They don't get mad. They don't get bitter. They don't leave the church, and then get on social media and call the church a cult with Pastor Jim Jones. Because God forbid the pastor said something to me that I didn't like. You know how many times people in authority have said to me things I don't like? I remember as a youth pastor, I remember my wife and I were talking about this the other day. Man, I was stupid some stuff, man. I just was. I mean, you know, when you're, when you're 22, 23 years old, I don't think your brain's completely developed yet, right? And fortunately, I had people that taught me and were patient with me, but I pulled some real good ones. And by the way, when I needed rebuke, I got rebuked. By the way, it was good for me. I needed it. Here's what the Bible says. Reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee. Listen now. Rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. Okay? Here's here's a great thing that I was taught. I'm going to say it to you. Okay? Everybody is a good church member when everything's going all right. Okay? But when you have an opportunity, if, if you have to be rebuked, you have an opportunity to be a great church member. Anybody can take it as long as the sailing smooth. But folks, let's be honest. Part of God's, through His Word and through the preaching, you know what He's supposed to do? Reprove, rebuke, exhort. By the way, God has given me, as the pastor of this church, a direct command that I'm to watch for the souls of my people. I'm to watch for your soul. So, you know what that means? As the overseer, if you choose to come to church here, and there's areas in your life where you're heading to a spiritual danger zone, it's my job to warn you. Now, I ain't living your life for you. Amen? Listen, you will stand before God and give an account of your life, but listen, folks, if I see, as one of our church members here, you're going a bad direction, I love you enough to at least try to warn you. Now, I ain't, making, I ain't living your life. I'm not a dictator. You do what you're going to do. And at the end of the day, if you don't listen to me, that's from you and God. But listen, I at least have an opportunity to warn you and to watch for your soul. Yeah. Now, if I come to you and have to say something to you, can you take it? Or are you going to get mad and pout and walk out the door and never come back? By the way, if you do, again, between you and God, I'll tell you right now, your kids are going to pay a high price for it. 
I've never seen a church member that had kids that walked out the door mad at the pastor over something that wasn't right just because they didn't like something the pastor called them on. I've never seen their kids turn out. I've never seen it. Maybe some instances I have, but not in my experience. Now listen, folks, I'm not saying this because, oh, I'm the pastor. You've got to listen to me. That's not what I'm saying it for. I'm just saying this. Listen, strong men can handle rebuke. By the way, look at the person that rebukes him and say, thank you. Thank you for loving me enough to tell me what I need to hear. Those words have come out of my mouth before. Remember one time I did something, I got my face ripped off for it. I'll be honest with you, it hurt me. It hurt me. But you know what? After I, I got over that for about 30 seconds and said to myself, you know what? Nothing to, nothing to get hurt about. And I looked at that person and I said, you know what? Thank you for loving me enough to tell me the truth. I'm going to fix this area in my life. Those words have come out of my mouth. Listen, if you're spiritually mature, if you're a man, you can handle it. Amen? You can handle it. And then what else do we see here? The last thing here I want to show you is this. Watchfulness, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, act like a man. Here's the last thing. Two simple words, but men, they're powerful. Be strong. Be strong. Now, uh, strong means to increase in vigor. Now, I do believe the main truth here is that of spiritual strength, no doubt about it. But folks, listen to me, okay? You know, again, part of this culture trying to feminize young men. Listen, they don't want young men to be strong. I'm talking about physically strong. But listen, here is the word that, that we have sacrificed, that, that, that they've used, that's killing masculinity. Here's the word, safe. I'm so sick of people falling down and worshiping the word safety. I'm sick of it. Now listen, I'm not talking about being a fool. I'm not talking about just taking unnecessary risks. I'm not talking about that stuff, okay? I'm not talking about going down the road and driving 100 miles an hour just because you feel like it. I'm not talking about anything ridiculous or foolish or stupid. But I'm telling you this, folks. This culture is trying to feminize young men in the name of safety because, oh, we all that might be dangerous. Hey, you know when I grew up in the 80s, you know what I did a lot? Rode the back of a pickup truck. Amen. Going down the road. Did it all the time. You know what else I never did in the 80s? Ever, ever, ever wore a bicycle helmet. And we built big jumps. Oh, yeah. Cinder blocks. How many cinder blocks high can you go? Right? And by the way, we even laid, the, our friends laid on the ground and we jumped over them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No helmet, no elbow pads. Hey, you know what else I did in the 80s? Drank out of a garden hose. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Still here. Okay, still doing just fine. Let me tell you, folks, let me tell you what a lot of this is about. It's about demasculizing men. That's why I love that we take our young men to football camp. I love that. I love that we take them to man camp. By the way, you know what they find at man camp? Aggression. There's another word nowadays that's a, that's a buzzword. Aggression. Oh, yeah, it's aggressive at man camp. By the way, it's difficult. By the way, when our young men come home, they got some bruises on them. You ought to see Jeremiah's arms when he comes home after the week of football camp. Literally, I promise you, he'll show them to you. He'll be bruised from here all the way down. Because he is a big boy, and he plays that line, and he plays that line the way you're supposed to play that line, and he takes some hits. By the way, that's good for our young men. Again, I'm not talking about being foolish. I'm not talking about, you know, not when you play football, wear the right safety equipment. Listen, folks, again, don't, don't take this the other direction I'm saying. All I'm saying is this, folks. Physical strength is part of being a man. And that's why we need to get our young men involved in work. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you the best way to develop their physical strength. Put them to work. 
Young men ought to have responsibilities that challenge their strength. Challenge their strength. I'm going to tell you, when I was a teenager, I did some of the dirtiest, nastiest jobs. I remember working for this guy one summer. I was supposed to be working construction. And you know what? We did some construction work. But you know, you know what I was? I was whatever he dirty job he wanted done is what I did. I remember one time, he's like, those two, those two burn barrels right there. I want those dumped in the back of this dump truck so we can go dump them. So me and another guy was working for him. We got to start dumping out these burn barrels filled with trash that had been sitting there for two or three years. As we start dumping these things out, I, I've never seen this before in my life. There's probably a hundred mice that started running everywhere. Okay, through the muck of this stuff. It, it was dirty. It was nasty. It stunk. Guess what? It was good for me. It was good for me. All of a sudden, you know, everybody, oh, well, if it's hard, we don't want to have to do anything about it anymore. Or, or, or we don't, let's, let's hire someone to do it because it's hard. No, hey, let's, let's be men and do what's hard. Amen? Okay? Now listen. Physical strength, yes. But more importantly, spiritual strength. God expects us as men to be spiritually strong. I gave a devotion at camp this week, and the, the, the theme of the camp was this. God is my strength and my song. And, I, and for just a few moments, I talked about that word strength. Here's what I told the young people that morning around that flagpole. I said this, God expects us to be strong. He expects us to be strong. Listen, spiritually speaking, this church ought to be filled with uh, a spiritual, a spiritually strong. We ought to look in the spiritual realm like bodybuilders around here. I'm serious in the spiritual realm. I'm just talking to the men here. I'm talking to all of us here. We ought to be spiritually strong. You know why? Because we get fed good around here. That's why. Amen. And listen, the Bible talks about the strong meat of the Word. And the reason we preach it the way we do, the reason we, we give it the way it is, so you can get strong spiritually. Every Christian ought to be gaining spiritual strength. But listen, you're not making, the, the standard's not the person next to you. If you've only been saved five years, you're not going to be strong and saved if someone's been saved for 30 years. But you still ought to be gaining spiritual strength. God expects us to be strong. God equips us to be strong. Listen, God gives us everything we need to be strong spiritually. And if we're weak, it's not God's fault. Understand what God gave us as a church of Jesus Christ. He gave us the gathering of His people. He gave us His church. He gave us the indwelling of His Spirit. He gave us His power. He gave us His Word. Why aren't we winning more? Amen? God equips us to be strong. And let me tell you this, church. There's a good end result of staying strong. Man, there's a good end result of it. Listen, when, when this thing's said and done and we're in eternity, you're going to be glad that you're the strong Christian God expected for you to be. Amen? So, men, I'm throwing the gauntlet out here this morning. I'm throwing it out. Let's be the, 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 the makings. Let's be made into the biblical men God wants for us to be. Amen? Amen? Not what this world's saying. Okay? Not what the culture is trying to make us drink their Kool-Aid of. I'm talking about, thus saith the Lord. Amen? And obey the Word of God. Watch ye watchfulness. Stand fast in the faith. Put you like men. Act like a man. Be strong. Let's pray. Lord, we